Hello, you're listening to Between You and Me, a podcast that is all about Marillion. From the Fish era to the H era, I'm not going to say beyond this time like I did in episode one because that that's frankly nonsense. 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 I'm Paul Rose, some of you might know me as Mr Biffo. That voice you just heard was my dear wife, Sanya. The mystery. The mystery, as I call her. (laughs) Oh, so, episode one, you might recall, we tackled Marillion's first single from 1982, Market Square Heroes, in which we concluded, that was a nice song. Yeah. It was a good song. <laughs> it was a good song, that. <laughs> um, we, we like that one. We're not going to be always quite as polite about Marillion. Uh, Sanya's taking her shoe off for some reason, I just think, the one. No, no, both. What I need to doing? be comfortable. I'm doing it, trying to do it in a way that's not going to make a noise. Well, I can hear it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so uh, this week, what we're going to do, before we get on to the band's first album, we're going to take a look at the the three studio b-sides from the script for Jester's tear album that and were on what the... were those paul well we'll get on to what they were in due course but the reason why i thought it would be good to do this before we got onto the album um is that all three of the tracks that appeared as b-sides to marillion's early singles were staples of their live set prior to being signed by emi um, there was a lot of the stuff that was that, that appeared on the album, although some of it had had been in sets before they got signed. Um, they actually sort of wrote quite a bit of new stuff. Script for Just a Tear is one that was written just for the album, for example. So the first of these tracks that we're going to look at is called Sanya. Three boats down from the candy. What a strange name for a song. What could that possibly mean? What a bizarre mean? name. I have no idea. You don't know what it's about? Nope. I I could have looked it up, but I thought it would be more interesting. This this was my process for all the songs so far. Right. I I've heard I think I've heard all of them live. I'm not no, I'm not sure I've heard you the have char- not charting heard the single. Charting single or three boats down from the candy live. Have I not? No, you've definitely not. <laughs> well heard I've definitely those live. I've definitely heard them, but I wouldn't say I've listened to them. So my process has been so far is first I will listen to them through headphones, which makes a big difference for me for trying to concentrate. Um and to get a first impression. And then I will look at the lyrics to see whether that changes my impression of the song. Right. Um, but apart from a song that we'll get to in due course, I haven't looked up the meaning of the lyrics. Okay. So this is all about your interpretation. It's all about my interpretation and kind of like my first impressions. So first of all, I have to say it's an earworm. Like it, it always gets stuck in my head. Anytime that you've played it in the car or I've heard it in the background or something, it will always be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. And the same thing happened when I listened to it the other day. Musically, I just love it. I love the start. I don't know if it's because I'm not a musician. I'm not a music expert. I don't know what I'm talking about. Please please forgive me for any inaccuracies. Um, It sounded like it was a snare drum at the start before the guitar came in. And I, I just, I love that opening. I thought it was really... It's a very, it's a song of two parts. Very yes. much so, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
so I loved that bit and then I loved the ending the last verse like the guitar solo I have to say like from listening through headphones one thing that that has really changed for me is that I've really been able to appreciate Rother's talent and how talent he he how talented he was even back then because the guitar solo is exquisite and yeah so that's that's about it and I love how it was bookended kind of like with the drum at the beginning and at the end love the guitar solo at the end and love that last verse um I've written down here that I thought it was simple elegant and engaging wow. <laughs> okay so th- that all sounds a bit wanky um but then I looked at the lyrics okay and it was like um <laughs> <laughs> it's very theatrical yeah well and I've got no idea what it's about okay well for me as a song it the thing that really stands out when I listen to it now is is as with a lot of that early stuff is how high Fish's voice was. I know. He's, it's a proper falsetto. Yeah. Which again, the, the the Genesis comparisons that they used to get, his voice was much more influenced by a guy called Peter Hamill, who was in a band called Van de Graaff Generator. Oh, Who right. actually, he uh, supported Meridian at points in their early days. And Fish's delivery is much closer to that than, than Gabriel. And similarly, as with others, guitar, I've always thought, sounds less like Steve Hackett and more like um, Dave Dave Gilmore from Pink Floyd. Oh, I see. But as a kid, it was never a song I loved. I mean, obviously, I listened to it over and over again because it was a Meridian song. Right. uh, And it went into my brain. I can sing it. Word for uh, word? Word for word, I suspect. Oh, well done. <laughs> I'm not going to attempt to do that now. I certainly can't get my voice as high as Fish did, but then neither can he anymore. So, Good luck to anyone getting their voice that high. It's ridiculous. It, it's strange because um, the band Rush, Geddy Lee, the um, singer from, from Rush, he's got a really high voice and it annoys me. I can't. I, I love Rush musically. But his voice is so ridiculously high that it always irritated me. Yet somehow when Fish did it, his voice didn't get on my nerves. Do you think that's an age thing? Because you were so young at that time and he was just an idol to you, a hero? Or you actually objectively appreciated his his high-pitched voice? I don't know. It it didn't wind me up in the way that Geddy Lee's does. So Three Boats, it, it wasn't a song I loved as a kid, but I always, like you, loved that that outro yeah when Rothers kicks in oh my god genius I mean I I can't understate I feel bad that I haven't appreciated his talent as much in the past you know so just kind of listening to things in the background and I was like yeah that's good but actually sitting down I wasn't sitting I was walking but actually taking the time to really listen to it I'm a bit taken aback there is a reason why Marillion fans call him god (laughs) yeah 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 so lyrically then oh my goodness um very again like market square heroes i will say it is very over the top very theatrical and um uh, is that the right wording over the top like saying things like it's a social disease it's the new (laughs) moral cancer i can't think of another word Apart from very full on, <laughs> yeah. But look, that was that was fish. 
That is fish, yeah, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's fish even That's now. That's why we love him. Even now, fish doesn't tend to call a, a you know a, a spade a spade. He'll he'll call it a I don't know an, an implement of of, of diggery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a dig spoon, <laughs> a dig spoon. So it starts three boats down from the candy. Vacant yep. deck chairs on a floodlit beach. Yeah. Shall I just tell you what the song's about? Please do. It's about, according to Fish's on-stage introductions to the songs, mm-hmm. or to the song back in the days when they used to play it, it was about a one-night stand that he had on Brighton Beach, beneath a boat that didn't have a name, but was three boats down from a boat called The Candy. Wow. He went to the effort of counting. Well, I don't know if he did okay, it that right. night. Let's see. Let's <laughs> see the closest boat with the name. One, two, that one doesn't have a name, that one doesn't have a name. Oh, okay, the third one has a name. Okay, that's a lot of effort to go to for counting three. You know, I could probably eyeball it. I don't want to show show off, but I think I could see three things (laughs) and I'd be able to I like to take the long way around, okay, Paul? Uh, One, uh, um, two, uh, (laughs) three, candy. Not the first. So that, that, does that make any more sense of the lyrics to you? Yes. Three boats down from the candy. Rollers yes. coast invade the deepest sleep. Roller coasters. Oh, they have roller coasters in Brighton. They do on uh, Great Yarmouth Beach, overlooking that beach. Oh, there you go. I've Maybe he got something. confused and he was actually in Great Yarmouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brighton's got the got the pier. Isn't I it? mean, to be fair, it doesn't say in the song where it is. It could be anywhere. No. No, he could be using a, a bit of dramatic license. Yes. So you ask for my love on the strength of a kiss, but can't you just play from experience? So that sounds to me like the the, the girl he had the one night stand with wanted a little bit more. He wasn't having it. And he wasn't having it because... Can't tie him down. I'm a poet. I'm a poet. I'm a minstrel. I'm a minstrel. I don't need your chains. He's a free spirit. Yeah. You know, he's a poet and a minstrel. Oh my God. I mean, I Doesn't have to... Doesn't need to be tied down. I have to admit... When I heard those lyrics, I did cringe a little bit. <laughs> well, look, this is, a, this is a guy who also wrote an album and a song called Script for Jester's Tear. True. This fish True. of that era. And it was a long time ago. But again, this, this comes back to something we talked about in episode one. That the Marillion, certainly of, of 82, 83, what they've done leading up to script for Jester's Tear and Market Square Heroes and these songs was they had really solidified an image, an entire package. Mm. They had the on stage stuff. Right. They had uh you know, with fish dressing up and, you know, Face even paint. the band famously, they The band dressed up? Oh yeah. Did, no. Yeah, well, on the they had a more. their first big tour was called the Saliva Tears Tour. Right, saliva as in what comes yeah, out of your mouth. Yeah, famously there was a, a poster of a, an eye that was dripping. Oh, a, God, a, of course a, there was. Saliva tear that had a hand growing oh, out of the eye that was holding the The hand tear. offering you the tear made of saliva. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, disgusting. But <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but uh, the, the, that tour, they, they all dressed up in these kind of robes with a big eye on the back. Wow. And I think it might have been pre- Mark Kelly even joining the band, so um, yeah, the original uh, the original keyboardist was a guy called Brian Jellyman. 
<laughs> yes, Jelly Man. <laughs> uh, had a, or was it Doug Irving who was on keyboards? I can't remember. Anyway, it was Doug Irving and Brian Jellyman who were the other band members before Pete and Mark joined. Um, and they also did... Uh, God, my Doug Irving did vocals pre-fish as well. Anyway, they did this Saliva Tears tour where they'd, they'd got a bunch of second-hand Hammer Horror uh, props Hammer Ham- Horror Hammer, Hammer Horror what's Hammer Horror there was a there was a movie studio in the UK that made a load of low budget horror films in the sort of 60s and 70s oh. and they were selling off a load of their stuff so they Marillion bought a bunch of sort of crucifixes and, and monks robes and stuff like that so they were very much thinking about of themselves as a whole package right so the theatrical element was sort of baked into who Marillion were right and, you know, by the time that they started releasing records, you know, the artwork complements that perfectly. Yes, yes, you, you I know, can even, see that. Even the first single, Marcus Queer Hero single, had that theatrical mask. Oh, yeah. It was Did all it about that. So yeah. the lyrics re- reflected that. So it's, it's about the mask and then the pain and the anger behind the mask. Yeah, but I think, I think Fish, with his lyrics back then, there, there is an element of yes, he is being sick form. He is a young man writing poetry, but as well, I think there is an element of playing it up. Right. Okay, you that's know, interesting. Looking at them now, so he knew what he was doing, and he was. I think so. He was milking it, not milking it. That's not that's not the word I'm looking for. But he was, yeah, playing it up. I guess is as the best soon as way you get to it. their second album, the titles are sort of much more direct, and they're they're a lot less. This Marillion, this Genesis-y Marillion, only mm. really existed for one album and the tours and the light that, that led up to it. Can I just interrupt you? Because otherwise I'm not going to remember it and let it yes, go. It. And this is off... Well, it's not off topic. So you said that the, the rest of the band also dressed up, but it was before Mark Kelly and Petra Ravis joined. Oh, I think so they were did still it, dressing did, up when, yeah. they, when they... I wanted there. to ask, yeah. did, they, did they ever dress up? Oh, you're just asking this because you like the idea of Petra Ravis in a, dressed as a monk with an eye on his back, I, don't no, you? No, I, I just like the idea of all of the band dressed up. I think, I think Pete, more bands yeah. need to dress up. <laughs> all of them. Yes, they do. So... Uh, so, yeah, so for me, I think that's a lot of what was going on. But yeah. at the same time, leaking through the the over-the-top lyrics, mm. and they are, I don't mind saying that, I still love them. Yeah, there's so, there's something endearing about the flowery theatricalness. But leaking through was still Fish's talent as a storyteller and a, and a lyricist. Yes. Yeah, he, he refined it. He became much more sort of direct in his lyrics later on. Yes. And do you know what? I have to... Thanks for bringing that up because... Okay, so I've listened to four songs now and something that has stood out. Okay, even though I don't really... I didn't know the meaning to this song. I don't really know what charting the single's about, although I have a theory and Grendel... Um, yeah, something that I am learning to appreciate is he really does have a talent for storytelling. Yeah, and I I do think, and I've been guilty of it, it's easy to sort of dismiss it as pretentious and up itself. Those early, very sort of formative you know, songs. But, but actually looking at them now and going back to them and actually really properly for the first time since I was a kid, really studying mm. them, 
yeah. I'm able to kind of go, no, actually, some of them are really good. Yeah, I feel that way about Market Square Heroes. I think when I read the lyrics the first time, I mean, I always appreciated it. What's the word for sonically? Sonically. I always appreciated it sonically. But looking at the lyrics, I think I, at first I did kind of think it was a bit pretentious. I don't know if that's the right word either. But when you explained to me about brick and what it really meant, it was like, I I have way more respect for Fish mm. and uh, as him as a storyteller because it was like, wow, he's actually saying something here and I kind of relate to what he's saying. Yeah. Relate in a way that there are a lot of people like brick out there. We've all met a brick and and I'm kind of really happy that he's got a song written about him. <laughs> he died apparently few years ago that's sad isn't oh it? did he uh but the uh i think the nature of fish's words as well is also what counted against them ironically mm. in the sort of slightly snobbier music press mm. because they were labeled as you know, due to the fact that fish you know was clearly a, an avid reader of thesauruses thesauri what's the plural? yeah what's the, the what's the plural if the, anyone knows let us know thesauruses What's another word for thesaurus? <laughs> <laughs> word book. Word options yeah. book. So, uh, yeah, because he, he did write in that way. Yeah. They very much often got, there's one criticism that I often saw was, you know, a bunch of geography students. But Marillion, unlike a lot of their... What does that mean? Uh, well, you know, uni students, a bit posh. The the reason why is because a lot of those prog bands were posh. Genesis were all public school boys. Even Phil Collins had been a child actor. We know what they're like. Uh, Pink Floyd were a bunch of poshos, you know, all from, from Get Cambridge. Out of here. And I had no idea. But Marillion, mm. for the most part, was sort of working class or, or lower middle class. I mean, Fish hadn't gone to uni, he'd joined the Forestry Commission and became That's a lumberjack cool. get <laughs> yeah. out really yeah prior to That's giving really it all cool. up and even fish will come on to these songs later but but fish's one university experience was he went and stayed with a girlfriend in um i can't remember if it was cambridge or oxford i think it was cambridge went and stayed with a girlfriend in cambridge prior to becoming a singer and that's what he wrote garden party about which was taking the piss out of the people that Marillion, by you know the the music press, saw them as right. You know um, that you know they they were very very different in terms of personnel to those other bands. But you're saying the press just saw, or the journalists just saw his flowery language and assumed the that he was the, the face paint, and just assumed that that they were all a bunch of poshos as well. Yeah, which Marillion never were. Steve Rothery's from Yorkshire and, and he was very working class, you know, Mark Kelly from Dublin. They're all, they're just, they're, they're not of that, or cut from that sort of cloth. Mm. They just happen to be a bunch of kids who like prog music growing up. Look at Oasis. They never really got uh, stigmatised for for basically ripping off the Beatles and Slade. And yet Marillion, because they ripped off a band that was already uncool and sort of had become more uncool when Prog, um, Prog got sort of pushed aside by, by punk, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, the, 
though they never really escaped that, even though musically they very much did. Sorry, that's my rant for the day. <laughs> Paul's rant for the day. So I think that covers three boats down from the candy. Okay. These are only small songs, so we want to yeah. kind of get through these because right. we've got a big one that we want to get to. So the next one we're going to talk about is charting the single. Um, would you like to hear my first impressions well, of listening to. to it? So listening to it, I thought that's a that's a nice, likable little song. <laughs> Could you be any more patronising about it? And I even wrote in my notes, and this sounds a bit mean, but I mean this in the nicest possible way which is a pun because that's a line in the song. Yeah, very good. Um, I wrote, it's good quality filler. Now, I know that sounds mean, but what I mean is, and because I said it's good quality. I think it's a good little song. No, that sounds patronising. Sorry, it's a good song, but I'm not sure it's anyone's favourite song. I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's, Marie and I certainly done other songs of that length that I really don't like. All right. It's charting the single. I really it's likeable. Like. I like it. It's would you call it a pop song? It's not far off. It it's certainly more accessible than it's accessible, their right? Stuff. And yeah. it's it's got a nice kind of that ooh charting. Ooh charting. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's catchy, but I'm not sure it would ever be anyone's favourite song. Now, I have to say I this, did by the way I should say this wasn't on the B side of Market Square Heroes, it was on the B side of He Knows You Know which came off of script for a jester's tear, but we're doing the B-sides. Oh, as just I to have it. Yeah, yeah. To be able to put them together. Okay. I do have to also say that I appreciated the song a lot more after looking at the lyrics because there's just so many glorious puns in there. Yeah. It's, it's a song it's that's brilliant. written around puns. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure what it's about. My theory is it's about being single and drunkenly romancing their way through Europe while on tour. It's you're spot on. And I didn't know that until ah, I looked it up earlier. Right. Which I, I never knew what it was about, to be honest. And I never really looked into it. I just thought it was a load of puns and a sort of nonsense. I mean, the puns song. are brilliant. The puns are brilliant. The like, puns are brilliant. Yeah. Plastered in Paris, I've had an Eiffel. Yes. Yeah. All of that. Going to make my escape on the midnight train. True to you. Um, snapping my fingers on an alcohol a day. Sniff around a floor line when I'm sent to Cologne. Mm-hmm. See, it's clever. Alcohol a day. Yeah, he wrote it as a parody of a sort of single man in a band on tour, as you say, going round. Romancing their way through Europe. Well, not even romancing, having yeah, lots of, I, lots I of one night to... stands. Once again, fish writing about sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very rock and roll. That's very him. rock and roll. But it was apparently inspired because um, his girlfriend heard a rumour that he'd been cheating on her on tour. Um, and so he so he wrote a song about like, it yeah but I suppose he was saying look haha, I'm not really doing it <laughs> I'm not really doing it I'm just like I'm making fun of it I don't know if he oh, did oh I see oh okay yeah. so I, okay. I, I love this song I really really do it's not as you say going to be a favourite but it's one that I would which I find it's easy to listen to I find it easier to listen to than, than Three Boats Down from the Candy which has got a really Three Boats Down for the Candy, I find the first half slightly sort of creepy. Yeah, I... Mm, okay, I, I always found it creepy. creepy. 
I wouldn't call it creepy, well, but I get the sweat from your thighs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All of that. Um, that wipe uh, the tears from your eyes. Creepy the s- wasn't the word that came to mind. Even as a kid, I found that, it creepy. That, I, I, I did cringe a little bit when I heard those lyrics. But um, oh, the ending, though, of Three Boats Down from the Candy. Yes, we love that. Anyway, we're talking about charting the single. Yeah, charting the single. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's easy to listen to. It's a pleasurable little ditty. <laughs> There's not much, really, you can say about no. it beyond that. I don't yeah. think we need to kind of really delve into this one. Yes. The best, the, the best element of it. For me, and the same, you know, when I was a kid, I just love, I love the puns, and I still love a good pun. Even I know now. you are the pun meister. Get a pizza, the action when I Romeo again. Gianti yeah. see you with me, so just let him whine. Brilliant. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but <laughs> it's, it's very good, good fun. So it's shall a... we move on? Yes, let's then. say choo choo to you, choo choo to, to you, charting, charting the, the single. single. Hey, you know, I was talking about um, their their Saliva Tears tour. Yes, yes. Well, they often used to hang out with and were supported by a band called Spider, who were very much a spinal tap, hair, heavy metal band in the the British vein. And I used to work with someone who went out with the guitarist from Spider. And she used to see fish hanging around all the time. Oh, really? Is this... Before you were a fan of fish? Oh, no, I was well a fan after. of someone when oh, I okay. used to work at Labrooks. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and actually, you, I've mentioned her only to you the other week. She was the woman who I played the prank on her boyfriend. <gasps> oh, no. Which means now prank. I've said it, I'm going to have, have, to, have to tell the anecdote. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> this was not, the prank that not went good. wrong. The prank that went very wrong. So, so I've worked with this, this uh, woman called Anne and... She was telling me about her boyfriend had this pair of jeans hanging up in their their the flat their flat in the bathroom window, and uh, they'd been hanging up for ages. And she was, I think, getting wound up by the fact that the jeans had been there for so long. I can't remember how we came about it, but she wanted me to play some sort of prank on her boyfriend about these these jeans. And I think I suggested, shall I ring him up and ask um, ask if they're for sale? <laughs> So glad to hear that so the, I rang him up. The, the prank still amuses you. So I rang him up and in this, this weird voice, I kind of went, oh, hello. I've been walking past your house for some weeks and I've noticed there's a pair of jeans hanging up in your bathroom window. I wondered <laughs> if, as you don't appear to be wearing them, whether you'd uh, uh, be willing to sell them to me. <laughs> right, oh so, right, and the guy freaked out well this is before mobile phones isn't yeah, it before yeah. the era of mobile like, phones got my number who the hell is this and i rang up on a second occasion as well and asked are the jeans still available i noticed they're still <laughs> oh, hanging no. up in your window right and he flipped out on the phone he was shouting oh, and everything no. anyway she apparently got home and he was like pacing the flat and he apparently had called the police over it wow. uh, and you know sort of said some some weirdo some creepers <laughs> Oh, pervert. <laughs> found my number. <laughs> He's going on to me about my jeans. He's stalking my jeans. Um, and she said he so flipped out over it, she couldn't tell him the truth. 
Uh, anyway, about a year later, they had some friends over. And he brought it up again, because apparently he hadn't shut up about it for a year. He brought up this creep. This pervert who rang up, wanted to buy his jeans. He brought it up, and apparently she burst out laughing. And she said, look, it was a prank. I did it. And apparently they nearly split up over oh, it. Oh, no. He was so angry. Anyway, oh, so she used to go out with You're the guitarist and Spider and used to sort of be in Fish's social circle. I mean, it's she, a I small world, isn't yeah. it? Well, oh. as I found out today with yeah. my dear friend um, John Downs, his um, uh, beautiful late wife, Corinna, um, she used to date Ian Mosley, who's obviously now Meridian's drummer. So, yeah, it's a really, It is a really, really small world small and it's world. a real world. Yeah. So, moving on, we're on to the big one. Here we are. A song that casts a very long shadow in every sense that perhaps was more responsible for Marillion's early detractors and later detractors than, than anything else they ever did, I think. And it's a song that still gets shouted for even today at Marillion concerts. I have witnessed it happen. And that song is... Grendel. 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 Go on then, Sanya. What do you make of that? You have seen this live because we've I seen have. we have seen Several Fish times. for the uh, first time in in close to thirty years. He played it live at, at one of his conventions a few years back, and even right. Steve Rothery now plays the end section when he does solo gigs, which is remarkable given that for years Marillion were and Fish were horrifically embarrassed by this song. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. When when I first heard about Grendel and you told me um, that this song existed and it was almost 20 minutes long, I have to say, I just thought that sounds really cool. <laughs> they wrote a song about Grendel. See, this is this is why it's brilliant having a wife who has absolutely no preconceptions of Marillion whatsoever. I mean, yeah, how brave of them is that? And we'd studied, see, oh, okay, so a bit of context. We studied, oh, no, we studied Bow Wolf in year nine, I think. I don't remember anything about it except, is it Grieg's piece of music in the Hall of the Mountain King? I've probably got that name wrong. <laughs> That's yeah. taken from that from, story? From the game Manic Minor. I, <laughs> I don't know, know but I, don't I know. love I, In the I Hall of the Mountain King. Like, so love, not, uh, love, 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 love it. Right. I don't remember loving the story of Bo Wolf, but it was okay. I think it was just one I kind of got through. But the idea that they wrote a, a song about Grendel. The monster from Beowulf. The monster from Beowulf. How do you say it? Beowulf. Beowulf, I've oh, always Oh, we said. always said Beowulf, but... Beowulf. How low can you go? How low can you go? Um, yeah, I just thought, I, I can't wait to hear this. And it did not disappoint. So you... Well, this song has... And I slightly... love all 20 minutes of uh, 18... How long is it? Uh, this is testing is your knowledge. I think it's between 17 and 18 minutes. There is a longer version that exists on sort of bootlegs and stuff, I think. I can check exactly how long Grendel is uh, by looking up this song called Grendel. <laughs> well done, Paul. <laughs> uh, oh, God. And now I spelled it wrong. 17.15 was the the version that was on the original single. Okay, so all of that just for me to say I enjoy every, all 17 minutes of it. And every time I listen to it, I listen to it with a smile. 
not even a mocking smile. It, I listen to it with a smile of enjoyment. To the degree that you and I danced at the, to this at our wedding. This was our wedding dance song. With us and I think my friend Anthony and my friend John. And all, Mark. And Mark, you know, all of whom are big Marillion fans. And yeah, and Anthony's wife Jan, who's not a Marillion yes, fan. Yes, and but Nick. She, and Nick. Uh, and shout out as well to Shogs. And Shogs. <laughs> I absolutely, I love Grendel and... Looking at it again for the purposes of this podcast. Do you know what? Sod it. I'm right to. It's genuinely yeah, a great song. Same. And they should not be ashamed of it. There is nothing to be embarrassed about this song. I mean, I love it so much that after listening to it, I've started reading the book. Yeah, you're, re- you're reading. Yeah, which is what the song was inspired by. Because yeah. as Fish said, the song, it, 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 it tells the story of Beowulf from Grendel's point of view. From Grendel's is, point of view. Which he was reading the book at the time. Grendel. Yeah. And... I remember there was an early interview with Fish that uh, he was asked, what's Grendel about? And, and I remember him answering it was about the futility of religion. And I mocked that for years because I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, mate, you're trying to make it a bit deeper than it is. It's a song about a monster. Let's not pretend. Mm. But actually, it isn't. It genuinely is. He's telling, you know, he's talking about how opposing sides in a conflict will both pray to the same to the God. Same God. Yeah. It's just telling, I was talking about that in metaphor. Yeah. That's what it's doing. And my God, again, the lyrics, yes, they're wordy. Yes, they're pretentious. Again, yeah, they're over the top and theatrical. And in this case, I thought that was perfect. But what is even more perfect about this song for me, and I'm saying it now, I think Grendel is a perfect song. What is even more perfect? You've heard it here first. Yeah. In our opinion, because I agree, Grendel is a perfect song. Because the words... Fish's delivery with it, all his rolled Oh my R's. God, the rolling R's. Amazing. But, <laughs> They're my favourite. But I just want to walk around rolling my eyes and saying, prepare the funeral oh, fires. <laughs> <laughs> prepare the funeral. Uh, I can't do it. seeks his yeah. meals. But for me, it, it's the point. And in fact, even almost more so than on the script for Jester's Tear album, that the band and the singer... And the words and everything were in perfect harmony. The mm-hmm. music is telling the story yes. as much as Fish is. The music is so important. So here. atmospheric in this. Yeah, that guitar, oh my God. And Again, you see it the in guitar what... is beyond words, but the it, keyboards. It's, it's music that sort of conjures up kind of misty forests and quagmires. and, and yeah, Mystery. The way, yeah, the way that the keyboards sort of fade in and out and the you know the bass even the drums on this one yes. i think he does a great job mick pointer on this of that yeah. that kind of sort of echoing snare and so for me it's a template almost for what marillion ironically this is the thing it's like the fish era you know he's sort of considered the proggy era but actually marillion have done more long songs since steve hogarth's been in the band than they did with fish and you only have to look at something like ocean cloud mm. which again tells a story the lyrics, the, the 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 vocal delivery, and the the music, absolutely all in sync to tell a story and to paint That's a picture. So powerful. I mean, what I actually wrote in my notes was, it's not just a song. It's. I mean, this is going to sound over the top. I know. I'm sorry. Um, it's an experience. Is like this one song is like a whole show in itself. But that for me is is Marillion. Even though you know, I always say this. I said it to someone on Twitter yesterday. 
uh, talking of which, go and follow us uh, on Twitter at BYAM pod. There you go. Quick plug for our new Twitter account. But I said this to someone on Twitter yesterday. I could make a compilation album of Marillion songs. I could make 10 of them and each one would sound different and you'd think they were a different band. Yeah. But for me, even though I think they write great pop songs, for me, what Marillion do best and still do best with Steve Hogarth in the band is is they they paint a picture they tell and they stories. create they tell stories yes, it's cinematic i haven't ever thought of that but that is so true cinematic that is such a good way atmospheric that's yeah. what they do best and they've done it on you know it absolutely reached its peak on um or its first peak certainly on misplaced childhood which you know you have yet to kind of delve into and then again on something like brave which you know yeah, absolutely. That the atmosphere throughout is so sort of mm. consistent. And, and Fish and H do it in such different ways. Yes, but still, the result of it being a story and an experience remains. That that's that's a connecting link. Mm. But I mean, we we can't unfortunately talk about Grendel without talking about Genesis, right? Because this is. Can I just say as well before I forget? I didn't cringe once reading the lyrics to Grendel. Because for me, I think it's I all I didn't cringe once. This isn't Fish doing kind of wanky lyrics over, I don't know, uh, a hot chocolate song. <laughs> I don't know why they popped into my head. But, yeah, it's it's a band, yeah, you wouldn't cringe going to the theatre. No, but I did but I did cringe, and I, I, you know, I don't like to admit it, but I did cringe with the I'm a poet, I'm a minstrel yeah. in Three Boats Down from the Candy and the Wipe the Sweat from Your Thighs. But I didn't cringe at all but during this, Grendel, which is a yeah. song about a monster. Yeah. This feels like it's a theatrical presentation for me. That's, that's, yeah, that's same, why. And it same. feels absolutely as a song. Go, go and listen to it. It feels entirely cohesive. Yeah. Which really surprised me. You know, even though I've always loved it, and there's not a section in Grendel that I don't like. I like every bit of it. You know, mm-hmm. it was something like Three Boats Down for the Candy. I'm not a big fan of the, the, the creepy first section, but I really like the outro. But in Grendel, everything just works and it yeah. builds and it builds and it builds. Unfortunately, it does build to a section from the Genesis song Supper's Ready, <laughs> which you know, Genesis said themselves if they'd known about it, they probably would have sued. Really? Yeah. Come on, though. Um, I listened to it this morning. You, Supper's you, Ready. Yeah. You put it on this morning. Sorry, Grendel does it better. Oh, it does. I mean, the the supper's ready. Set. I mean, I, I I do like supper's ready. I mean, it meanders a bit, and there's there's sections in there where it's like it's so kind of painfully whimsical that it sort of yeah, a flower. Whimsical. Ba-dum, that ba-dum, is ba-dum, a word ba-dum. we need to remember. Yeah. Whereas Grendel, there's nothing whimsical about it. It no. It's a nasty no. song, but also Grendel kind of is epic, rough and deep and. There's darkness and blood and, well, literally blood. Yeah, bloodstained floors. Yeah, let the blood flow. Oh, my favourite bit. (laughs) My favourite bit of the song. Which is the the (laughs) genesis bit. Let the blood flow. Oh, no. Uh, But yeah, I'll tell you what, though. When we saw Fish at Leamington Spa for his convention, he did Grendel. Yeah. It's worth listening to the live version of that, even though he had vocal problems at the time, which he since, it's amazing how much his voice has recovered. Um, particularly, I mean, his his latest single, um, Garden of Remembrance, I've listened to it this morning, just to compare, and he he can sing again, whereas he went through a period of, you know, ill health and trouble with his throat. 
uh, and certainly the Leamington Spark, some of those songs are really difficult to listen to. But, <coughs> oh, Sorry. cough, cough, COVID. Mm. Uh, the, the, the version of Grendel that they did there, the Let the Blood Flow section, they give it a real groove. And it's very different to the original, oh, but I really okay. like I what, what Fish's band did to it. Right. It's, you know, it's on iTunes if anyone wants oh, to hear it's it. just, oh, it's the best section. Yeah. Thanks, Genesis. Oh, so, yeah. Thank, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Genesis. <laughs> so. That and, and, and um, oh, what is it? Prepare the Funeral Pyres. My two favourite, my two favourite bits of the song. Yeah. And again, his falsetto is insane. How did he do that? Yeah. Like how? Oh, we can't we can't mention this without mentioning uh, the live performances of Grendel, which oh of my course, you know, when the band were you know buying stuff from Hammer Horror, Fish somehow acquired, which he still owns to this day, he somehow acquired a replica of uh, the Sutton Who helmet. Which, if you don't know what that is, go and go and look it up online. Uh, and at the, the climax of the song fish would don this helmet and it's immortalized in the famous recital of the script live live show uh which you can find online uh, and fish would don this helmet and he would grab someone out of the audience and pretend to dismember them and then hold their head up for the How crowd charming uh, but that was you know it's part of oh, the theatrics isn't it yeah. Wait, did you ever see fish perform it live Oh, God, no. They'd Back stop. in the day. Because Grendel became such an albatross around their neck. Right. Due to the, the Genesis connotations. Plus, as well, it was a really long song. So yes. dropping that into a set, yeah. it, it's less room for other songs. Yeah. Even though it's, you know, five songs in one. But, yeah, wow. I, you know, unfortunately, when we saw him at Leamington Spa, he didn't pull anyone out of the audience. <laughs> I have <laughs> and seen... And you were standing too far back to be chosen. Well, Mick Pointer's played it a few times. Because oh, right. Mick Pointer came out of retirement quite a while back and formed a new band called Arena. And then he's also toured Mick Pointer's recital of the script, which is a recreation of, of that early Meridian set list. And the guy they had, unfortunately, who is about two foot shorter than Fish, does, does wear a... Rough approximation of the Grendel helmet, but he doesn't attempt to pull anyone out of the audience because no. <laughs> I don't think he would be able to. Whereas, you know, it's it, the famous recital of the script thing with the, the kid in the audience who gets dragged up. He yeah, absolutely. He looks terrified. stunned and he's just sort of like standing there. Yeah. Where where is that kid now? If anyone knows, drop us a line on. Uh, do you know Twitter. what? When we watched a video the other day, I was wondering the exact same yeah. thing. I wonder what he's doing now. That, Does he still go to Marillion conventions? That kid in the the denim vest yes wow who was yanked out of the audience by fish and dismembered on stage dismembered by grendel yeah so i think that's grendel yeah yeah it's a song that is better than its reputation Mm -hmm. way better it's not a song it's an experience yeah and it has been overshadowed unfortunately by its associations with genesis and the like but it is a great song. And in fact, I actually think it might be the best Marillion song of their entire script for Jester's Tear Wow. I'm saying it now. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, go and shout it at gigs. Yeah. <laughs> Force them to sing it. Yeah. Make, and go make, the make book. Steve Hogarth sing Grendel. Read the book as well. I mean, it, it was a bit I hard going at first, like the first chapter or so, but I'm really getting into it now. Good. And the introduction was interesting as well. It's been it's been placed into the Fantasy Masterworks series. Oh, well, right, might inspire you to write a song. It might. Yeah. 
but it's already been done. Who could even do it better? Yeah, There's you might a challenge. do it better. No, I didn't say I could. I said oh. who could do it better. Ooh, ooh, Grendo, yeah. You sexy thing, you sexy thing. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I've just beaten it. <laughs> There's so much more that I could say about Grendel, but yeah, I think, I think that's enough, enough for now. So, thank you again for listening. Thank Sub- you so much. Subscribe if you haven't. Tell people about this if you haven't. And go subscribe to us on Twitter where I'm going to be posting. Really where stuff. now you're like, oh, yay, I get to be free to post all of the stuff I like about Prague. Yeah, finally. Finally, I can retweet <sighs> Mark Kelly's new album coming out and yeah. stuff like that, which you, you don't feel that you always can on your normal Twitter. I, can't. I know, I'll just get, because you get all the old, oh, Dennis is, nah, nah, nah. But now yeah. you have a whole Twitter yeah. account. Now I'm playing to the crowd. Yeah. Right. We'll see you next time where we get stuck into Script for Jester's Tear, the band's debut album. Sounds good. Sounds good. Goodbye. Choo-choo to you.